This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. For all hard rock, heavy metal bands needing worldwide exposure at affordable prices, online metal promo PR is taking bands from the underground to above ground. Visit their official website at onlinemetalpromo.net. Onlinemetalpromo.net. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rat Salad Review. How are you guys doing? Was that that like some like freaking you were watching a bunch of Monty Python prior to this and you decided to come in with a little bit of higher pitched accent? No, I had no. (laughs) I don't know what that was. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rat Salad Review. Welcome to the show, everybody. He's doing his his best Nico McBrain impression (laughs) and back on track <laughs> uh welcome to the show uh hello james uh nice necklace you have there nice t-shirt aloha i am no longer confined to the mountains of east tennessee i came back i saw my true calling was to be a fat guy in a hawaiian shirt in hawaii which is like you know 80 percent of the people there no just kidding I, I, i'll be honest parts of hawaii are great parts of hawaii are not great but you know what? It's really fun to go on all the trails and everything. So it was a really nice little, little uh, work workcation, I like to call right. it. Very cool. Well, it's better than being Very a fat cool. guy in a little coat. It is better than fat guy in a little coat. <laughs> and uh, welcome back, Greg. It's been what a year. Yeah, yeah more than you. Like yeah, it's, it's been like this whole thing was your idea too. Yeah, I know. He, yeah. he missed yeah. every single episode. I know. It was your idea. <laughs> This no, I work and shit like that. That's why I said we'll have to go back one day, not tonight, because we have so much other stuff to get through. But yeah, Screaming for Vengeance, Defenders, Power Slave, Turbo, Somewhere in Time, Ram It Down. Basically, the whole discography. Stock. That's and the whole discography. Right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you missed the entire the entire premise of this show, sir. Well, I did write down my ratings for those records, at least. Although I will say, we did do a whole episode on somewhere in time. Yes, we did. On our we little sideshow dreams from the grave, but uh, yeah, I could run through that real quick. Go ahead, run through. Right, no, no, no. All, the, all I can say is, is that yeah, we'll I did see listen we... to Turbo. That is the horniest damn album I have ever heard. Mm. Rob Halford, it was horny as shit with those lyrics. Yeah, <laughs> he was a turbo lover. Anyway, go ahead. Exactly. Greg, what's your ratings? Uh, Screaming for Vengeance, I gave an eight. Defenders of the Faith, nine. Power Slave, I gave a nine. Although, 
Eh, kind of some nostalgia involved there. I feel like it should be an eight and a half, but I love that record. Except for the duelist. Fuck that song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. And, uh, Greg. Turbo a four. Four. I I have to say it it's it's an enjoyable listen for the most part. Um, you know, to listen to most of the record, but private property, parental guidance, which is Barring the exception of Demolition, the worst song they ever recorded. (laughs) (laughs) I gave that fucker a four and somewhere in time a ten because that's just the perfect record. Must have been with Bruce. All right. Ram It It Down's kind of half-assed, although they they did start to introduce uh, some of the, I'm going to say thrashier because that's kind of how I feel about Painkiller. Mm-hmm. On like songs like Ram It Down itself and um, uh, Come and Get It, a couple other songs like that on there. And you can kind of hear on some of the stuff on Painkiller where they kind of took it and refined it. But uh, we'll get to that when we get to Painkiller. But I gave that a five and a half because it's just, it, it almost feels like a compilation of unreleased tracks because it's a mix of the left, leftovers from Turbo. And then what they were writing for the actual album was just so different and ahead of the rest of it. It makes it play really weird. Half of it is really good. And then half right. of it, yeah. yeah. It just falls off. <clears throat> yeah. Seventh Son, eight and a half. Good record, but there's a couple little goofy things on there. But it's a great album. Yeah, of course. Um. Manny, did you buy anything lately? We usually go over stuff that we've gotten. I did, but it's over there. But I, oh, uh, so I'm not gonna go get it. But yeah, I got a, I got a few things. Uh, what did I, Aerosmith Classics Live? I bought that. Oh yeah, on vinyl, and I'm glad because I bought it as a, when I was 17, and then when during the CD craze, they got rid of it. Mm. So now I've been buying stuff I used to own, but. What I really like about it, I like the album anyway, but I love the cover. It's just blue with the logo on it. I think it's really sharp looking. Musically, it's good. And uh, I bought a, an album from the Rush Limbaugh, the metal hard rock world, Ted Nugent, State of Shock on vinyl. Wow. I may not agree with his politics, but I like his music. So, you know. That's what I like about you. You might not like his politics, but you like the music. So. Well, it's one doesn't have to do with the other anyway. I know well, some people, some people, you know, are, are not like that. And they just, you know, fuck them. You know, if they like a musician and they don't believe what they believe in, fuck them. You know, that's nah, I hate that. no, we deal with enough of that. We don't need. Yeah, that. we deal enough of that in the real world. I don't I, it's it's music. And, you know, um, I have friends that I don't agree with politically. So what? You know, that's right. so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't agree with your guys' musical taste, but I still hang out with you guys. <laughs> oh, we we, uh, we we we're trying to refine you, James. But so far, Whoa, we does any of this we look like failed. refinement? Does any of this look like refinement, sir? Yes, sir. I'm you just, have improved. Waiting. You're actually buttoned up your shirt right in the right way. So we're <laughs> we're getting there. We're getting there. I'm waiting for him to go like this with his fingers and go. I guarantee because ever since <laughs> I saw him, I keep thinking of Paul Prudhomme. <laughs> I like to think more like Ricardo Montalban. However, I am not that good looking. Well, it's Ricardo Montalban is rich Corinthian leather. You're like rich Corinthian Nogahide. 
Nice, nice. I like that. What so. is what is that necklace, by the way? Is that shells or pasta it is shells? shells. Okay. I got this from an authentic luau. Oh, all right. oh cool. No, Greg, no. did you grab anything? Got did anything you got anything, Greg? Yeah, I did, but I didn't bring it out here. But um, uh, I got, speaking of Nugent, Rusty Day sang with the Amboy Dukes. I got that record and the first two Cactus albums and a couple of Cramps ones I was missing. Well, songs the lord taught us but yeah i didn't think to bring that all out here with me i was trying to remember to write down the rest of them <laughs> yeah what about, what about you james you bring back any uh any artifacts from well i brought back a ton of artifacts i, I did i had to buy a lot of <laughs> gifts because well i couldn't bring my wife which meant i had to bribe her on the way back uh-huh. um so i actually found out hawaii has amazing rum and they do coffee with it and that is a dangerous combination because not only do you need to be hyper, but you're also drunk, which is just awful combination. <laughs> However, um, the cool thing about Hawaii, uh, about Oahu and Honolulu is they do a swap meet every weekend and on Wednesdays. And so like you can find some pretty crazy shit there. Um, no, not really musically inclined, but you can find a lot of just knickknacks and crap to send home to your family to make them annoyed. My nephews are still wearing the uh the little the little tree nuts and uh shell lays that i bought them freaking two weeks ago they're still walking around with those bad boys on there (laughs) so you know got the hawaiian shirts did all that fun stuff so yeah i've got them completely annoying looking which is what i'm supposed to do as a good uncle (laughs) and you enjoyed your trip i would imagine uh you know there i will say this um there is some really interesting thing. They, they have the place where they shot Jurassic Park at. That's pretty awesome. That place is huge. Um, the, the north side of the island is great. Now, we, I couldn't island hop, so I couldn't see any cool stuff like volcanoes and stuff. But we were able to make our way around. Hmm. Cool. I've never been there. Maybe one day. I would there. love like to see that. I would love to see that. Yes, I want to see that just because I feel like you'd be such a fish out of water. Oh, Once yeah. you actually got out of Honolulu, I think it'd be the funniest thing ever. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe one day. I don't know. I don't know if I have and, the money. And now I get to go to Florida next month and, and enjoy the uh, the cultural stylings of Disney's Polynesian Resort. Hey, hey, hey. I, I live in Florida. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, Manny is the Florida man. Yes. Uh, let's not get carried away, gentlemen. <laughs> so. Actually, now isn't there, there's a Florida woman now, isn't there? Something just happened with some woman. Oh, there's always it, something happening. There's always, always something. No, I know, but there was something here. like something like really fucked up. Uh, the the funniest know. one I remember was a woman got got arrested because she shot her her ex boyfriend and was sitting on the air conditioning. That happens all the time over here. Come on, <laughs> that was a good one. My personal favorite has always been Florida man causes traffic jam on ninety five because he was out there waving his wiener at fucking cars. That happens Standing every day. That's a nah, yeah. Doing Manny, the helicopter. Manny did that before he came on the show. Yeah, um, what do you? Yeah, that's why there's there's a over at I four. I was almost late. All right, I got some CDs uh, in the mail. Actually, there's one right here. Splintered Throne, the new Splintered Throne, just came out. Our uh, good friend Lisa Mann, she uh, autographed it. Oh. the band on there. Hey. So she'll be on the show sometime soon. They're going to work out a date to come on the show. So that's going to be fun. Uh, the band Haunt, that new album came out as well. Uh, what the hell is it called? Windows of Your Heart. 
He seems to put an album out every year. I mean, every month. Uh, that guy is nonstop busy. Uh, and this band will be on the show on Friday, Ashes Rain. They, uh, I bought this CD from them. It's their EP. Really, uh, a bunch of really cool guys. Uh, if you really like the thrash, like some newer type thrash, definitely check this out. I really love this album a lot. Um, and, and I think the next uh, album that they're going to put out, it's going to be a little bit different than this, but uh, a really great band, really a bunch of cool guys as well. Uh, they sent me a bunch of shit. Actually, I think I posted it on the uh, Facebook the other day, but sent me this poster, sent me a T-shirt, sent me uh, pins and stickers and all this other shit. Oh, that's kind of so, that's cool. Yeah, wow. so really cool. And then also the other cool thing that I got in the mail today, the new Guar figures. <laughs> this thing is about the size of my head. I didn't think it was going to be this big. But, that, we're uh, just talking about the cuttlefish there. Yeah, I, that, that's yeah, that's about the size of my tongue. See? Okay, don't don't do that again, please. Oh. Uh, yeah. This is a family show. Sir. I know. Show. Man. My kids watching. I blame kid... it on Turbo. We <laughs> probably liked it. Well, look at his butt. They did a good job on his butt. I mean, the likeness on his butt is uncanny. But uh, I think they really did a good job. Actually, there was like three different ones, and I had to buy them all. But there's like a bunch of different ones: uh, a see-through color, and I mean, a see-through blue, and this orange one. Well, that was cool. And the other cool thing I found in the yard sale. Donkey Kong, five bucks. <laughs> Hell yeah! Uh, that so is cool. That's my finds. I think. I think that's it. But uh, yeah, and uh, hopefully everybody watched last week's episode uh, with Jesse Fink. Uh, we're getting a lot of feedback on that show, and just want to thank Jesse for coming on the show and talking about his book, Bond: The Last Highway. So everybody needs to go and get this book. Uh, I posted on on TikTok the other day. Uh, a, a segment of the show and some people were shocked to hear what jesse had to say about bond's death and uh, i know some people are going to be buying that book now so check out that episode and go get that book it's a very good show all right good book. yes it is very uh, good. i was busy fixing some plumbing but good book cool yeah. cool interview yep all right yeah, so I, I, yeah it was a really good interview guys and uh thank you for finally getting that book i was actually able to to see it and, and read it and uh i actually really enjoy it yeah, and some it's some really good stuff. I have some shocking stuff about ACDC that I really never would have heard of unless I read that book. So well, uh, I, I didn't. I mean, I kind of expected this, but him talking about the uh, the secrecy of that uh, of the band, like how just notoriously secretive they are, that they just don't do interviews at all, right? Yeah, at all. It's just amazing that that or, they could be able to do that in this time of in this time of music yeah. and stuff, or, or the interviews that they do do actually do are very secretive you know they don't get yes. the whole stories and everything so very mis- mysterious band uh, uh where'd manny go he left he i think he had an, an issue so oh. he's trying to work through it all right no problem all right so you want to start with iron maiden or judas priest first it's all up to you guys you guys are the ones that are uh you're the guy uh, i'm gonna well, let greg decide this because he's the one that he led this down this road yeah. and now you know we're having to hold that you pick up I know, I know Lou's got a lot to say about No Prayer for the Dying, so we should probably start with Judas Priest. All right, we'll, we'll save that for when he comes. He should be here any moment now. All right, so Judas Priest, Painkiller, the 12th studio album, released September 1990. It would be the first album with new drummer Scott Travers from the band Racer X. It would also be the last album to feature Rob Halford on vocals for a while. He would later venture out on his own to start a new band, the first being Two with John Five. It would be more of an industrial band, and uh, then came Fight, in which he would have Scott Travis on drums. Uh, it was a mix between Judas Priest and Pantera. And then finally, he started a solo band called Halford, which brought him back more to his heavy metal roots. 
uh it was produced uh, painkiller was produced by the band and chris i can never pronounce his last name but sangaridis close yeah. enough yeah. Yeah. uh marking the first time since 1978's Killing Machine. Uh, that Judas Priest had not worked with Tom Allen and the first time since 1976's Sad Wings of Destiny that Judas Priest and Sangaris worked together. Uh, Don Airy was brought in to play keyboards on A Touch of Evil. In a 2020 interview, Airy revealed that he also doubled most of the synthesizers uh, to achieve the album's distinctive bass sound. Um, so anyway, for the album itself, for me, I always felt this album was like half killer and half filler, but I think I changed my mind after listening to it for this time because I mean you uh, reviewed this album with um, Troy from uh, from the band them, like what like maybe three years ago, Greg. Yeah, a long yeah, time was, ago. Oh, I totally and, forgot about that. Until yeah. You it. But yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, he loves this album, but so I might change my mind a little bit on this, but uh, uh, I I didn't think it was that great as people praise it to be, but I, I still don't think it's uh, their best album, but I do like most of it. Um, I think the opening track painkiller is like the best song on the album to this day. I still remember seeing that video and saying, Holy shit, that's Judas priest. Uh, they were really trying to fit in with that Pantera type sound and style. And I think Scott Travis really gave them that extra boost that they needed. Really? Uh, yeah. Pantera? I didn't think it was anywhere close to Pantera. I, like trash yeah. Dude, I hear more, uh, testament and shit like that and yeah like, i don't hear a lot of good yeah, i don't hear a lot of pantera yeah maybe like I mean, more maybe in the early in the early pantera yes that's what like, i mean like the early stuff like uh like cowboys from hell type pantera not like a vocal display you don't eh, think so? i wouldn't even go with that i mean it's it's it, it's funny you bring up cowboys from hell because you can hear on what is a song greg what's the song on on there where um, Phil definitely is channeling his inner Rob Halford. I can't remember the song right now. Uh, is it yeah, Cemetery sorry, Gates? Scattered. Scattered. Yes, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Cemetery Gates. I mean, I can hear a little bit at the end when he's trying to do that high falsetto, but. Yeah. No, Shattered, he really does it and he does it good. Yeah, it doesn't do a bad job, but he definitely was influenced by Rob Halford. Anyway, oh, of course. Continue. But I, mean, I don't mean like a Pants Hera clone, but I just mean like if they're more. Well, no, I, I, we, I get where you're coming. From. You know, it doesn't sound like Van Halen. No, to me, <laughs> I, I disagree. I don't hear it at all. I hear way more Bay Area thrash and shit like that. And what yeah, I, I hear a lot of that Bay Area thrash, and that <laughs> I, I do, I do see that. Uh, I see where you're talking about with Testament and all that. I hear the influence of that, but I don't think it sounds like that, but I know where you're coming from. I do hear that, especially with the kick uh, Scott Travis gives a band a real, there's no way they could have done this music with Dave Holland or Les Banks. Oh, no, definitely not. And and Scott Travis has an L.A. sound. He doesn't have that southern groove metal sound of the drums. That's, That's why I'm really not getting what you're saying. I mean, I'm not really a fan of the popular era of pantera but i I know enough of it to know i don't hear that at all i whatever disregard what i said uh metal no 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 no. stick with it stay with it stay with it it. if you're gonna make egregious statements i'm gonna need you to show your work Um, <laughs> Metal Meltdown seems like a leftover song from Ram It Down. It's one of my least favorites on the album. Uh, Nightcrawler is probably my second favorite track on here. And a shout out to our friends in Timeless Haunt who covered that song last year and did a great job with it. Uh, Between the Hammer and the Anvil, not a bad song, not a, a touch of. 
wait, not a bad song. Uh, a Touch of Evil, I guess it's considered the ballad of the album, uh, is really good. It breaks the album up a bit since every song was pretty like in your face. And uh, wow. one shot of what? I, I fucking hate Touch of Evil. <laughs> really? Why? It's so boring and plotting and monotonous, and it's way too long. It sounds very uh, like Ozzy Osbourne-ish, especially with those keyboards in there. It reminds yeah. me of like uh, like the early Ozzy albums. I don't. I, I like. I think it's a good song. Nah, yeah. it, it's okay to see him do it live, but listening to it on the record. Yeah. And uh, one shot of glory. I really don't like all aside too, for the most part. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I say. I mean, this a lot of people give this, uh, like a lot of the metal community people give this album so much praise. I, I don't see it being as good as like the earlier career. I mean, it's a decent album, but it's not the no, best. No, and and even with you know, um, because and when I say monotony, I don't mean like as bad as when we're going to get to the Iron Maiden albums, but it's very, very similar from song to song on this, especially right. on side two, with the exception of I do like Nightcrawler, although <laughs> to be quite honest, and this isn't just to give a shameless plug, but I like Timeless Haunt's version way better than Judas Priest. Wow. Just uh, Timeless Haunt did it with a little bit more energy and conviction. It, it kind of needed that. Yeah. It's a little too, I mean, I love the Priest song, don't get me wrong, but... Um, Guys, I'll be right back. Okay. Yeah, sure. They should have done it a little bit more aggressive, I guess mm. is what I'm getting. Uh, I mean, I mean, I understand what you're saying. But um uh where I was going with that was like Defenders of the Faith. It's all very similar tone and everything production-wise, but there's still and why I rated that album so high. It gets into like the progressive parts that they used to do in like Staying Class and Sad Wings of Destiny and kind of integrates that back in. Mm. And Screaming for Vengeance, which is more closer to the uh, commercial type stuff they did, you know, that still manages to be the same tone wise, but be a lot more varied. And with this, again, with the Bay Area thrash, with a lot of them second tier thrash bands, while some of them have songs I love, the whole albums get tough to listen to because it just kind of runs together after a while. There's right. not. And yeah, I understand that, what you're And honestly, outside, and Touch of Evil can be okay, you know, like I said, live. It's not a horrible song. It's just, I think, a little too long and slows it down a little too much right there. Mm. But, like, Leather Rebel is a classic. That's a great song on here. And Hell Patrol is probably my favorite. That's another one that kind of sounds like something that got started on Ram It Down. Mm. But, um, and all, all guns blazing is killer. That's another one where you can totally hear the thrash element too. Yeah, um, they really needed uh, Scott Travis to get. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. He was no, in the I band agree. a lot the sooner. Really great. Yeah. But then the other nice thing about this is, even though a lot of it runs together, and I'm not going to rate it like ten out of ten or ninety fucking two percent like a lot of people seem to think it is. Um, they're playing it with enough energy and conviction, kind of like point of entry. Mm. Every song might not be super interesting, but the energy of it makes it great. And there's plenty of good riffs and drum parts. And the bass sounds awesome on here because of how we double tracked it yeah. all throughout the album. So even if there is some stuff that's a little boring or 
sucks a little bit. It never really lasts too long before you get to, oh, this is a cool part I can still jam to. Yeah. No, no, I agree. And, and, and that's what I, I agree. I like a lot about the album is that even though, you know, Rob Halford's singing isn't always my favorite thing in the world, I feel like he oversings a bit. Um, I, I, I do like the guitars and the, and the drums in this album. This it, it is awesome. So. Yeah. Yeah, and I wish if Scott Travis joined his band way earlier on, I think you know some of the earlier albums would have been a lot better. I I would have loved to have him joined right when they started to do Ram It Down, right? Because yeah. it, it it might have given him a kick, especially since Holland was sick or injured or whatever it was at the time. Maybe they would have written a whole new album because you could already tell they were. You know, Turbo was no. an experiment with popularity and made a shit ton of money, but you could tell they weren't real happy with it. No. Uh, so they were starting to move forward on Ram It Down, and it would have been really interesting to hear what that would have sounded like had they been able to do that fully. Because even though it's half-assed, the good songs on that record are actually really good. Yeah, yeah, the good ones are good. Yeah. The bad ones are really bad. <laughs> oh, and, and, uh, well, and the, one, the, one, the one I will say on this that I just don't like at all, where it's too, it actually sounds like it even reuses a couple riffs mm. from a couple of the previous songs before it, Metal Meltdown. Right, yes. Yeah. It, it's just this, this listless, lazy track that mm. sounds kind of like everything else but never moves off the ground beyond the opening riff throughout the whole song. It just repeats a bunch of themes from the first right. songs. It's weird. Yeah. And with Rob's vocals, I think he does overdo it a little bit on Painkiller. As much as I like it, sometimes it can be a little much. It sounds like an enraged witch. It's, <laughs> yeah. Like I said, with a bad crotch rash. That's how I <laughs> Something that sensitive was on fire and Man, does he hit them aggravated high notes? Yes, he does. Uh, oh, and uh, <laughs> one shot of glory is a good ending to the album. Uh, it's almost very like power metal ish, too. I, I wish that was the ending for my part. I had freaking well, living, it is uh, one more bad dreams, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, that song is it's a, that's a yes. bonus track, though. So that doesn't seem living wrong. bad dreams sounds like a worse version of uh touch of evil, and <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty fucking bad. I didn't, I didn't really like it. Um, my okay, so so my thing was starting off with painkiller. Love the intro drum, intro drum solo. That thing fucking hits hard. I love it. I love the guitars in it. I just yeah, Rob Halford's voice sounding like an angry uh, witch with crotch rot is is probably an accurate description with that. I mean, I think uh, you know, murdering small animals is not a great sound to be going with when you're singing. Um, Hell Patrol, love the sound. I, I didn't like the lyrics that much, but I love the sound of the, the song. I mean, it, yeah. it kind of covers it up. Uh, All Guns Blazing, once again, guitars, everything kicks ass. It's just Rob Halford's vocals. <laughs> I can't, yeah. You're going to see a concurrent name with this. Hey, um, that sorry. one is probably the toughest on the album because, like you were saying, on Painkiller, the drums, the awesome drums covered up some along with the guitars and yeah. But on All Guns Blazing, he is so overly loud over everything else on the chorus. Yeah. And then I said, I said, Leather Rebel, I thought it was a good filler song. Uh, Metal Meltdown, don't sing higher than the guitars. <laughs> just, just don't. <laughs> you don't have to. Uh, Nightcrawler, I liked it. Um, Between the Anvil and the Hammer, really good song. I actually think it sounded like a lot like Iron Maiden, which was yes. kind of, it sounds a lot like Iron Maiden. Uh, Touch of Evil, 
I thought it was epic sounding. I thought like the, the, the they were trying to go for like that arena rock type stuff of making it trying to sound epic. Um, Battle Hymn, yeah, not my favorite song. Didn't like it that much. Once Shroud of Glory, eh, but it gets the better. As long as the longer it goes, the better it sounds. So it feels like you know they, they took it took a real long time for them to get going. But once it got going, it was okay. Then Living Bad Dreams, I did not like that song at all. That song kind of sucks. So. Yeah. yeah outside of that i mean like outside of if, you know and i'm actually kind of excited because i've never heard judas Priest without ralph halford i'm actually kind of uh, uh I, I know this is gonna be probably bad foreshadowing i'm kind of excited to see what they do without somebody trying to over sing everything but maybe they do you're so. gonna be very disappointed james oh great awesome thanks <laughs> well thanks, guys. I, i'm just talking i'm talking about the singing trust me it's mm. not gonna be your uh your cup of tea oh. thanks yeah. Uh, Reginald Wilkins is in the chat and uh, he says Painkiller is in his opinion the greatest heavy metal album of all time and has always been his favorite Priest album it feels like the culmination of everything Priest had been working on up to that point but he can see where we're coming from it's a generational thing I don't think he's wrong on that actually Um, I don't know if it's the greatest Judas Priest album not to me but it is a great album and I have to agree with his assessment that is, uh, it accumulates everything that they've done up to this point, the exception the first album. There's not really a lot of blues influence on this. Actually, there's no blues influence. No, it's absolutely zero. Um, blues. Zero whatsoever zero. on here. Yeah. There's more blues but in an Iron Maiden album that, I, coming I agree up with, uh, on one of the Iron the Maiden albums than there is off of this Judas Priest album, which was one that shocked me. All right. Well, after British Steel, Judas Priest kind of, you know, and it, that was their first pure, pure heavy metal album, meaning there's no trace of blues anywhere on there and, and since then. So um, that I can think of, unless you want to count Johnny Be Good. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I consider Stained Class to be their first pure heavy metal album. But... Um, yeah, I guess oh, maybe. There, there, there's some influence in there, but I, I yeah, I would almost say that. But the cover, "Better by You, Better Than Me," which is a great cover, by the way, um, on there, that definitely, of course, it was written by Spooky too. So there's going to be a bit of blues soul thing to it that you know Judas Priest don't really write in that vein. So anyway, oh, Manny, it's your turn. What do you think? Okay, about well, it was your turn, so you can just keep uh, going. I yeah. love the album. All right, good. Uh, let's move on to Iron Maiden. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, you. All right. Well, I don't. I'm having like a computer issue here. I so. see that. I see that. <clears throat> You're good now, though. Yeah, so. Anyway, I'm just going to be quick. I love Pink Killer. I agree that sometimes Ride Halford overdoes it with the vocals, just, just the way he is, but I like the way he sings. Um, I agree. Scott Travis definitely. Uh, add some power to that to that album and i think that's why the compositions are so heavy i do think that judas priest were trying to compete with the younger bands not necessarily pantera they hadn't even made their impact yet but i, I kind of see where wayne's coming from with that but more of the thrasher thrashier bands without becoming a thrash metal band um i also think they were looking at um what was going to be alternative but not pearl jam or any of that i think they were looking at bands like ministry and um these guys have a very huge wide at least halford and uh tipton have a wide uh range of music that they both enjoy outside of heavy metal 
and they're both always looking for newer bands. But I do agree with that. One thing James said, though, I, I have to, I can't disagree with James, is the lyrics. I think some of the lyrics are a little dumbed down, but I also think Rob Halper was going for this comic book slash, you know, story type, telling type lyrics, Marvel comics. I mean, the painkiller is another, um, another character between the hammer and the anvil. Um you know, and also, I, was it you, Wayne, or was it Greg that mentioned power metal? Me. Okay. Definitely, definitely is this album's an influence on the genre of power metal, not just lyrically, but musically. Um, mm -hmm. They're not classically influenced like a lot of those other guy, power metal bands were, but they definitely have a more European flavor on this album than their other albums. And I actually like Touch of Evil, Greg. I actually like that a song a lot. It's probably the most commercial song on there, but I like that riff. It's it's very repetitive, but that's what I like about it. And I like his vocals on it. And the lyrics on it are very good. And sadly, those lyrics are still um, applicable today. But overall, an excellent album. And when you give it a rating, I'm going to give it a pretty high rating. Anyway. Oh. Why did say that before my internet uh, takes a shit? Anyway, <laughs> so far, so far everything's been good. So you're all right. Uh, Greg, did you finish everything you want to say about Painkiller? Or yes. Oh, other than uh, uh, I I agree with what Reggie there said too. It it is in a lot of ways a culmination of everything they had done up to then, and they incorporate everything from the past very nicely as well as moving forward into the tone and their new sound. Yeah. It's a yeah. shame they didn't get to do a follow up with Rob. To this although it probably it probably would not have been anywhere near as good because his mind was on a definite track to somewhere else oh yeah yeah to see what the bands he came up with but like you know especially I think what's sad two. is that what? yeah well fight definitely oh. was a pantera influence band oh, yeah. period by oh. far yeah that definitely yeah but um well, uh, oh, sorry, sorry. I was gonna bring back. Uh, you know, you're talking about the Bay Area bands. I mean, Metallica had come out with Master of Puppets and Injustice for All before this album came out. So you could, you can, I could definitely hear some of the influences with the thrash, especially with those two albums mm -hmm. being the best Metallica albums ever made. Oh God! Don't ride start. the lightning. Don't start. Well, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I like ride the lightning as well, but yeah. We we don't need to talk about no. Master. <laughs> But uh, no, uh, uh, I wasn't. Yeah, Hell Patrol is my favorite. And actually, Wayne, now that you mention it, I hear a lot of power metal influence in that song, too. And uh, I just love the guitar. That's another one that kind of sounds like, hey, we build on what we were doing on Ram It Down. But as far as the lyrics go, they may be a little silly, but I can forgive Halford for just about anything mm. after. How would you know anyway? You're just Mr. Dull. Suck it, Turbo. <laughs> Hi, y'all. Oh, hey, Lou. Lou. You're on. Uh, Lou, it is going to be your turn in one second now. So I, we're I, still I, on painkiller. I, I just so. heard Greg uh, quote parental guidance and say, suck it. So that's the wrong context to use, sir. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Double entendre. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. Oh, yeah. And that's... Uh, <laughs> little tidbit about that album james and and you can totally pick up on it in the lyrics but um 
Rob actually said this in an interview later on in the years, but Turbo Lover is about picking up dudes in bathhouses. Of course no, it is. No <laughs> shit. It's the horniest freaking album ever. You can just hear everyone. Everything's about having sex. It's incredibly say horny. It's a, it's a shame it never got to be a single. And even though it would have meant it wouldn't have been on the album, they should have given it to Top Gun. Reckless is one of the best songs they've ever written. I love it uh, that yeah. that was there was a bunch of those songs that should have been on the Top Gun album and they and they didn't do it mm. and it, uh, you know, they should have brought it back for Top Gun too. Yeah, I think what's a shame about Painkiller is because Rob Halper would leave the band after this tour that they never explored going further with that, that sound. By the time we get to the next album, they have a new singer and it's seven years later. I mean, in seven years, everything changed so drastically. And, oh, that, that, that that Cobain guy had came in and ruined music, right? Well, well I actually like Cobain. School. I don't blame what? him, but I know what you're saying. I blame it Richard Marx. I mean, heavy metal <laughs> itself had morphed into Puppet, new but... metal. You know, wait, wait. Am I head of nineteen? Was did new metal exist by 1997? I'm trying to. Yes, think it did. Not all yeah. those guys. By 97, yes, Corn, Deftones, Limp Biscuit. Yeah, okay. That was the rage. Yeah. AKA, no AKA my middle school and high school times. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> AKA why James dresses the way he does and I dress the way I thank do. Thank you. <laughs> ah. Oh, wait. Excuse me. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Lou. All right. Let's go. That's no, better. it's not red. It's not red. <laughs> uh, all right. Since you finally joined us, Lou. Uh, your take on painkiller it's okay so i'm gonna give everyone fair warning um i'm gonna be mr unpopular opinion amongst the collective here i have a feeling and you know what that's okay i own it i only speak for myself painkillers in my top five favorite judas priest albums in fact it's not only my top five um it's top four so Hmm. i love the album because I think for me, when I heard Painkiller for the first time, not the album, the song, Hmm. I feel like it came and hit me right at the right time where it's like, you know, a lot of what you saw in pop music was, you know, just kind of bland by that point. I mean, everything was like Dago colors and neon and like zoomed out mullets and things like that. Yeah, I'm talking juvenilized. And, uh, you know, I just feel like, Although, yes, there were plenty of thrash bands out there that were faster and louder and heavier. And, you know, death metal um, was in its infantile stages. And, you know, at that point, the only black metal bands that people really knew about were Bathory, Celtic Frost and Venom. You know, you didn't have like like Mayhem just started to take off. So for me to hear Painkiller, the song itself, as a nine, 10 year old kid, I thought it was like the coolest thing ever because it was fast. And, you know, I just, I, I felt, I felt like for as fast as a band like Megadeth or Metallica could go, I feel like for me, because I always loved Judas Priest as a kid, it, it kind of meant that much more to me that they were experimenting with something so atypical to what they've done because, you know, let's face it. Um, you know, the prime priest, I guess you could say everything up until Defenders and then Turbo, which was their pop experimentation and ram it down. We won't even discuss that anymore. But, uh, you know, Painkiller was just for me, it was priest for the 90s. Um, 
Finally, they have an album closer worth talking about. You know, One Shot at Glory. It's probably the best album closer, in my opinion, up until this point. And, um, you know, and and Wayne and Greg, I I know we've had this discussion before, and and I completely respect how you guys feel about it. But I love Chris Sangaridis' production, Um, you know, as uh, dating back to uh, Thin Lizzy's um, uh, Thunder and Lightning album to up until a few years after Painkiller, Anthem's domestic booty record. So I like his production. Um, is it the greatest? No. Um, you know, it's not Martin Birch. Mm-hmm. However, with these two albums, that's, you know, leaves much to be desired. But, you know, we'll discuss that when we talk about Maiden. But I thought that Sangaridis' production for this record was the right production for the right album. And, um, you know, it... I'll 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 be a defender, no pun intended, of Painkiller to the end. I know with it's it's a very polarizing record, especially amongst uh, priests, long long term diehards, and, and that's fine. But for me, it's it's the beginning of priests as I know and love them today. You know, mm-hmm. so that's all I could say about it. That's it. I think I said enough. (laughs) All right, cool. Well, you'll be shocked to hear this, Lou. We did not hate the album, so really, Greg, is this true? Yeah, why? Yeah, true. We we didn't hate it. Okay, because I, I, it's not my top four, but well, I, I I apologize. I was under the assumption because he wasn't a fan of Chris Sangaridis' production, and you know, it's, it's, it's. Um, Again, it's it's very atypical of what Priest has really done. It it works for this about, about the only thing I I w- would disagree with you on is I don't feel that it was all totally new outside of Scott Travis's drumming, which gives it an additional kick of aggression. That's but why I love I it. Think, <laughs> I think you could hear them moving towards this already on some of the new songs that they had actually written for Rain of Band. Oh, that's this, a good point this is I, the culmination of that with other influences from of them from before and it's a very good album in that respect yeah but there's there's like four or five tracks that kind of strike me as filler but uh when it's on the, you know there's good parts to each song nothing's totally horrible even though i can't stand touch of evil it's i can't either really something i would snap off it works in the context of the album it's much better live yeah i'll agree with you on that actually touch of evil is my least favorite uh on on the record so uh i'll give you that and uh i guess that's all i could say about it uh well i will i'll also agree with you about the whole ram it down thing i feel like metal meltdown if if you put that on ram it down then ram it down would have had two good songs Aside from, uh, you know, Blood Red Skies. (laughs) Hell Patrol would have fit perfectly. Actually, Blood Blood Red Skies, while I do like it, is not really what I would call my favorite from that title track. You know, Come and Get It is great. I love heavy metal. That's a great song. I'm a rocker. It's not bad. But anyway. (laughs) On to the main. All righty. All right, it's very interesting, very interesting. All right, so we move on to Iron Maiden. I think you uh, finally got here in time. Oh, are we not going to give it the number 89? Oh, no, we do that no, at the we end. Wait. Do it at the oh. end. 
He waits. Uh, <clears throat> Iron Maiden, No Prayer for the Dying is the A Studio album. It's the first album to feature Janik, Yannick Gers. Yeah. I never Yannick. 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 Uh, on guitar, who replaced Adrian Smith. Uh, your Gers uh, previously worked with singer Bruce Dickinson on his first solo album, Tattooed Millionaire. Uh, this marks the first lineup change since 1982. Uh, Smith left the band uh, during the pre-production phase, unhappy with the musical direction it was taking. Uh, and he contributed to the song uh, Hooks and You. We'll talk about that later. Uh, the album departed from the keyboard and synthesizer saturated progressive rock direction the band's two previous studio album outings uh, in favor of a more stripped-down style, which uh, ushered in a change of vocal style for Bruce Dickinson from the operatic sound of 1980s to a raspier way of singing. In addition... <laughs> in addition... Uh, no, there's, a huge, there's a huge difference between uh, the way he sings on this album and, and previous stuff. No, no. I mean, it was a mistake having him do this. Ah, uh, I don't know. Uh, in addition, yeah. In addition, uh, Michael Kenny, who had played keyboards on tour for the band, played keyboards on the album. Uh, the idea to make a more street level release also inspired the band to record in a barn on uh, Steve Harris's property. Because there's nothing more street level than freaking being in a barn. I swear no. to God. No, and Bruce Dickinson states that this idea was a mistake, commenting that uh, it was shit. It was a shit sounding record, and I wished we hadn't done it that way at the time. I was guilty as anyone else in going. Oh, great. Look, we're all covered in straw. Uh, the album also departed from literary, literary and historical lyrical themes in favor of more political content with songs focusing on religious exploitation and social concerns. And despite charting well in most countries, particularly in the UK, where it debuted at number two, it would have been the band's last album to receive gold certification in the US. That's kind of funny. I thought uh, maybe one of the newer ones would have. You figure Brave New World might have. I would have thought so. I thought so. Yeah, I would have thought so, too. But uh, No Prayer to Dying includes the hit song Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter, which in spite of a band by the BBC remains Iron Man's only UK number one single to date. Uh, written by Bruce Dickinson and originally recorded for a solo band uh, for the Nightmare on Elm Street 5, the Dream Child film soundtrack, Harris decided to re-record that song for Maiden. All right, so about the album. This album uh, gets a lot of shit, and I get it. Uh, it just doesn't measure up to the previous releases. The production is very raw sounding, and it's kind of strange hearing songs about current topics rather than getting some history lesson. But I will say there are some actual good songs on here and more than I used to think. I always like Tail Gunner, and I think it's a good opener with a catchy chorus. Holy Smoke as well is another decent catchy track. The title track, No Prayer for the Dying, might be my favorite song on the album. I like the guitar melodies, very catchy, and maybe the closest to older Maiden songs. Public Enema number one, even though the title of the song is pretty stupid, I like the song. I think it's pretty heavy, and Bruce's vocals are really gritty. Again, another catchy chorus section. Fate's Warning is okay, but it seems like it was just thrown together lyr lyrically. The Assassin, musically, I really like the song, especially in the verses. I like what Nico is doing on the drums, but the chorus is terrible. They couldn't think of anything else be better than Better Watch Out, because I'm the Assassin. Uh, yeah. run, <laughs> wait, wait, you're just now questioning their chorus lyrics? Come on. Well, I, I well, know. I but, have but that's, that's pretty bad. Uh, running Silent, Running Deep, kind of uh, kind of like Fate's Warning, just falls flat. Uh, Hooks and You, worst song on the album, and I can't believe this was a song that had Adrian involved. Musically and lyrically, it's just terrible. Bring your daughter to the slaughter. slaughter. Uh, I like the song. It's, it, is it too repetitive? Yes, but I think it's catchy. And I love the middle part, too, where the music lowers and it builds back up. 
And Mother Russia, not their best ending for an album. It's very disjointed. Has a really great middle section, though, with the guitars and solos. But I think the drum beats didn't really work well for the verses. It was poorly executed. Uh, Greg. Easily Iron Maiden's worst album. The most boring, lipless thing they have ever kicked out or thought up. This whole back-to-the-roots idea was horrible. They sound just as tired as they were. You know, after two epic, so involved, complicated masterpieces like Somewhere in Time and Seventh Son, I can get what Steve was saying about them being complicated, but they really needed to take some time off to regroup because what they do here is they they run with this idea of, oh, we got to make it raw or we got to go back to the first two albums. They have Bruce singing this raspier style that doesn't really work on the majority of the songs. There's a couple of them that actually legitimately kind of sound like older Maiden and it's okay on, but Tail Gunner is their worst opening song next to Invaders. It's just terrible. It it would be a little bit. That's actually my favorite song on the album. Ah, nah, I. It just, it sounds so, so on autopilot, so devoid of any emotion. It's just hap- and Oh, oh, trying- no. Do you think that's-, that's Fate's Warning and all the other crap songs they on this album? Oh, I don't like Fate's Warning or any of that shit either. It's just, they're trying to say, hey, pretend this is a great opening song, but the production and shit just doesn't match up to it. It could be good. I've heard them do it live and it sounded good, but yeah. a big part of the problem with that is the production sucks ass on this record and to the to the point where it's so bad i mean i don't know if they might have fixed it on any of the remasters but no during when some of the songs especially on stuff like fate's warning and um uh, what was the other one run silent run deep when it reaches those swells and things start to rise all you can hear really is the bass guitar the rest of it is just a cacophony of noise mixed together it just sounds awful. Hmm. I don't hear it that bad. I have, I have there's worse albums behind me that sound uh, you know worse than this one, but uh, but uh, yeah, I understand. I do understand. Grant, there are, and there's a lot worse written albums out there. But this is yeah. I fucking made I, it, and it should, it should be top of the line. You know, production, everything. Well, I, okay, I totally so understand. Greg, so let I me will, ask I you. I'll put this. I will put this in my defense. I did not hear the original version. All I heard was the remastered version. So a lot of that stuff was kind of fixed in this. The, a lot of those production sins were not really. Up. It not still really. makes it a shit album, but well, <laughs> it, it sounds like they did make it clearer though, because what I'm describing on the original press is literally that bad on a couple of the tunes, especially uh, Tail Gunner, because it's kind of a faster song. And um, Holy Smokes, another well, Holy Smokes sounds pretty good actually. But do you think Tail Gunner was like an Aces High Part Two? Yes. I think they tried to do it, but it comes off as more of a weird mix between Aces High and the bouncier style of Can I Play With Madness? And hmm. I think it needed more I think it needed more work. I think it comes off as a heavy metal version of Kenny Loggins. Anyway, go ahead. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I was going to go way to it's, the it's, danger zone. Fuck yeah. you. <laughs> I was going to say more. It was it was freaking Aces High Part Duh instead of, you know, <laughs> instead oh, of that, part two. Oh, it was the German uh, version then. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 
Oh, that's French. Oh, never mind. <laughs> yes, it is French. It's Belgian, actually. Get it right. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm but, sorry. I didn't mean to confuse Gerard Depardieu with Jean-Claude Van Damme. No, exactly. Whatever. Whatever. I'm more of a Jean Reno fan, but get off me. I, I like Leon. <laughs> Leon, the professional. So. Yes. No, no, that movie rocks. Anyway, go ahead, James. Sorry. Okay. Stop. Greg was done. Greg, you're not done. Sorry, Greg. Are you, are you done? No, I was gonna I know, say James this. is itching. He's biting. He's chopping at the bit to speak. It's great. <laughs> okay. Well, there there are actually some songs I do like from it. The Assassin is great. Chorus lyrics are a little stupid, but that happens a lot with Iron Man. Who the fuck cares? Bruce actually sings it instead of just trying to. Ah, we're gonna make this sound like Paul Diano. Um. Wow. And. The, the guitar lines to that are great. That's actually one of the ones on here where I feel Yannick really hits his stride and I don't miss Adrian as much as I do on the rest of it, which brings me to Hooks and You, which I actually think is a brilliant song and I can totally hear where Adrian wrote it. The issue is Yannick isn't the same type of player Adrian was and he can't play the melodies the same way. So it's not everything it could be. But I guarantee you, if this was on a Smith solo album or if he had played that, that'd be one of the best songs on here. It'd be almost like a wasted years with the way it's structured. It's just they don't pull it off that way. One, because of the production. Two, because of how Steve wanted it to sound. And three, because of the lack of Adrian. Um, Mother Russia. You can, I really hear a lot of foreshadowing in this to the more progressive style. Like, Wayne, a lot of what you're saying with the uh, start-stop there. It doesn't sound so abrupt to me because I like a lot of prog stuff and Zappa like that. And I really like that track. Um, love the maiden version of Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter. Please, everyone out there, if you've never heard the original Dickinson track, you don't need to. It sounds awful. Yeah. I'm glad Steve heard it and said this would be perfect for maiden. Let's redo it this way because he turned a dud into a brilliant song. It's a little repetitive, but it's really good. So, yeah, about five out of ten I actually enjoy yeah, not too bad. Uh, we got some people oh, in the chat. I do like I do like the title track, No Prayer for the Dying. I, I'm still kind of on the fence about that one. And I think it's mostly the production of it that bothers me with some of the guitar line. It just mm-hmm. it sounds restrained and it shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, that is a cool one. It's one of my like I said, it's one of my favorites. Uh Devil Dozer, uh, going back to Painkiller. The song itself is probably uh, in his top three. Uh, five uh, top three to five Judas Priest songs. I can't pinpoint exactly where in a top five, but the chorus is so damn catchy. And uh, Reggie, no prayer, in my opinion, this is going to shock everybody. Uh, does exactly what it is set out to do. To me, it sounds like the missing link between Killers and Number of the Beast. I honestly Reggie, like, Reggie, Reggie, Reggie. He, he Reggie, honestly likes Reggie. this album a lot. It's dumb fun, and uh, and I always like fun. Anything well, you know, he, he he was half right there with said dumb fun. I guess <laughs> it depends I, on his definition of fun, but hey, whatever floats your boat. Uh, you know, does, yeah, brother, yeah, I, I need to send him a cramps record. <laughs> He's got to stop stuff <laughs> off the sidewalk, man. Uh, he said he thinks <laughs> Tail Gunner actually took some parts from Clairvoyant off of Seventh Son. Yes, I could see that. Yes, yeah. that's the song I was trying to think of and I couldn't remember. Thank you, dude. Yes, it does. They quoted almost directly. Hey, and that's a good song too. So you know, I like Tail Gunner. I think it's good. I love um, it. But... All right, who? Uh, James is itching to go. Go, James. All right, here we go. And uh, it, and, and, and over and to I... Manny. Let's go. No, <laughs> no. 
so okay so i'm gonna admit that i did this and like i how i how i listen to these albums i go song by song and put what i feel like and i just and i just say what i feel and i don't and i don't do a time so tail gunner not bad i have high hopes for this album boy was i wrong (laughs) <laughs> wait a minute i said that for halloween all right he's he's ripping me off now <laughs> <laughs> i'm still in your gimmick anyway um holy smokes interesting lyrics uh it was it was a good song uh no prayer for the dying uh iron man should never do ballads ever ever foreshadowing foreshadowing it's definitely for the next album trust me mm. uh public enemy number one it's i mean it's all right it's just something's missing there it doesn't it, it there there is a lot of phoning in it feels the like. enema no. enema exactly it feels more like an enema than an enemy it needs an enema uh it does <laughs> it really does face warning something's not right about this song and once again it's just there there is shit missing here it's just even for iron man and, and i've been publicly you know very critical of iron maiden they're not my favorite band this is like the most phoned in album i've ever heard from them and I know that's foreshadowing. Trust me, I know it's foreshadowing. By the way, yeah. to interrupt you, Eric Adams wanted me to tell you you are a malicious bastard. Okay, there. Okay, and and, and what else is new? Um, <laughs> the so uh, the assassin. Ah, there's the Iron Man contrived sound again. <laughs> there's some more contrivance. Knew he was um, going to say that. <laughs> um, run silent, run deep. It's a U-boat song. I can't hate historical songs since I'm a Sabaton fan. Um, Hooks in you. I really like that song. That is their best song on this album. It's really? actually really good. Yeah. I love that song. You are so wrong, Wayne, but you should be used to this by now. Yeah, I'm used to um, wrong. Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter. I hated it. I thought it, the lyrics sucked. <laughs> I just thought it was fucking boring and just repetitive. Mother Russia, they should have stopped with hooks. This, this is way too long of a song. And I'm this is coming from a Tool fan. This song just plods and yeah. plods. And then there's some little interesting stuff in the middle. And then goes back to right. plotting. Exactly. Yep. The only good Mother Russia song is from Sisters of Mercy. That's I'm glad to hear song. you say that. That is a great song. A song. Wait, I'm impressed. I never I, assumed I never would be a good Sisters night. fan. Yeah, I can't. I He has to redeem himself. Not Sisters of Mercy. <laughs> no, I'm shocked. Yeah, no, he, he, he had to redeem himself after he made that terrible take of saying Hooks is a bad song. It's a bad song. It is, but he, but he likes somewhere. Dominion Mother Russia by Sister, so he gets a pass. I get a pass. Yeah, he gets a pass. <laughs> he gets a pass. <laughs> but yeah, this, so, so that's what I said. This is obviously, like, I it's not as bad as their first album, but in my, in my opinion, <laughs> I hate their first album. I truly do. You know, I hate Killers. You really know I do. I, it, it, but it's not their best either. This is this is really bad. Which made an album up its own now would you say that you like the most or dislike the least? Dislike the least? Uh, Number of the Beast. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. That's a good choice. It's a good choice. All right, Manny. Okay. I think this album's fucking horrible. Let's just get it out of the way. I I love Iron Maiden, but this album, Tail Gunner. Uh, Okay. Lyrically, I, you know, I'm glad you like flying planes, Bruce. It's very nice. Um, yeah, but it leaves you wondering why they wrote this song, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I mean, I think it's, I, 
somebody mentioned aces high lyrically they're they're going over kind of the same terrain which is fine there's nothing wrong with that but make it interesting um holy smoke again you know the, it's real easy to go i get uh, organized religion especially during that time lyrically i agree with what we're saying i just think it's a lazy lyric it's an easy target and they're kind of too smart for that all right no prayer for the dying i actually like that song it's actually a very well written song it's your usual uh james is right it does it does what the usual iron main songs do if you don't like them it's not going to change your mind Public enema number one, they can stick that up their ass. Face warning, <laughs> they can stick that one up their ass. The assassin. How fitting, no pun intended. No, the assassin. Assassin. Better watch out. Uh, you know, again, no musically, way. it's okay. <laughs> it's just lyrically, it's probably their. Again, I just think it's a lazy topic it's been explored before and better mm. by other bands including mm. judas priest on you know on uh on killer machine run silent run deep um it's okay hooks in you musically it's fine lyrically it's shit mm. i don't want to hear about you putting <laughs> your hooks on some chick bruce dickinson you're not acdc okay you're not in kiss <laughs> so Bring your daughter to the slaughter. That is so ridiculous. How do you bring your daughter to the slaughter? Yeah, let her go. Exactly. It's crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I can't believe that Steve Harris heard this and go, My God, we must record this song. <laughs> it's what he thought. I mean, how much cocaine were they doing that they thought this was a good idea? <laughs> Rick James only can uh, inhale more. Yeah, I mean, bring your daughter to the slaughter. I, I like yeah, it, it's a catchy song, but so are STDs, and I don't want those. <laughs> uh, Mother Maddie's Russia. brutal tonight. Uh, Mother Russia. Again, it kind of, it's an interesting musical idea they don't fully explore. Um I think this is what they would have been called their prog track, um, but it sucks. Anyway, what's interesting <laughs> is the songs that were on the bonus disc, like uh, the Golden Earring song, Kill Me, Cesar, uh, the oh, yeah. song, that, I'm a Mover, the Led Zeppelin song. Sadly, oh. those are all better than the, any song on here. No, that Led Zeppelin song is terrible. No, Led Zeppelin fucking rocks. And, uh, no, no, I love Led Zeppelin, Zeppelin rocks. That right. cover was but that shit. That cover is. Well, yeah, you're right. Zeppelin's that good. Was, that's, you're that's, right. That, that, was shit. Cover, that cover was shit. But that was probably the, the worst Bruce Dickinson vocal performance ever. Until. Until you heard Bring Your Daughter to the Fucking no, Slaughter. I love that song. I love that song. <laughs> you do, nobody no. loves that song. I do. I do. I, I like that he song. sings way better on Bring Wayne Your Daughter. Wayne has spent way too much in the freaking post office. He needs to, he might be going. Yeah. He, yeah. You, you start got to stop leaking those envelopes, Wayne. <laughs> he's, he's looking at those Seinfeld envelopes uh, that, that killed uh, George Costanza's uh, You know, what's interesting Andre. is the vocals. <laughs> I, actually like that bruce dickinson is singing in that lower register i think it's interesting what? unfortunately the songs don't justify don't make it interesting the songs aren't there that's the problem and 
you know, I think on his solo album, Tattooed Millionaire, which I don't love, but I like, is better than this. And I think creatively, I think he just kind of made this. I don't know. I, I just don't think, I don't think it's their best album. I think Martin no, Burtz no, must have no. been burnt out because that's definitely his worst production of any album he's ever done. Um, I don't know. Recording a barn should make a difference, but maybe it did. But I, I just don't think the songs are there. Yeah. yeah fact, it, added to, it added to all the animal shit that was yeah. there, too. As a matter of fact, after <laughs> Lou, you're done with your assessment. Can you tell me if any of these songs are on the set list ever since the album came out? Nope. Yeah. I didn't think so. No, anyway, the last, time, um, the last time a song. The, the, yeah, the last time prayer a song <clears> on prayer was in a set list was in 2003. Temporarily, bring your daughter to the slaughter, and that was a fan voted set list. They oh, said, okay. made and gave it to the gave it to the fans. You know, pick 15 songs that you want to hear, and of course they picked the obvious. You know, number of the beast, how will be the name, runs yeah. to the hills. Yeah. But then, like out of left field, they picked this one. So when I went to go see them at the garden, I was actually like, oh, okay, they're gonna play it. Yeah, no, they didn't play it. So, you know, I think by then they were just like, yeah, it's not going overwhelming in the United States, which is why it was number one in UK, not in US. So. Well, the thing about Bruce Dickinson's vocals is on the next album that I actually do like that a lot of people hate. I think he uses that voice very well, that lower register. Yeah. But on this album, uh, I, but the songs are better on the next album, in my opinion. But we'll get to that we'll get when we get to it. The, the, the but I just don't work on this album. Yeah, there's just too much stuff going like the I, recording I in the barn a, and the production. And I, just, I just don't think it's just the vocals. I think musically, lyrically, they tread a lot of the same ground. Again, there's nothing wrong with that, but it, they're not usually so obvious about it. And I think yeah. that's one of the problems. Adrian Smith definitely leaving the band hurt the band. And I have nothing against Gears or however you say his last name, but he's more of a dead Dennis Stratton blues kind of guy. You know, I, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't think he quite had enough time to gel with the band. I'm sure Livey was fantastic, but, um, well, <laughs> I think well, I'm sorry. I've live. got some bad I've news. Seen, I still made live. He, he, he's a terrible dancer, but yeah, you know, I don't mind. I'm, I, I have no problem. Uh, I, I hate '90s made and live, but that's a topic for another day. That was the worst. Well, we ever talk about live albums. I, I do love those live albums, some of them anyway. But anyway, um, uh, Lou, who's next? Well, yep. May done. Okay, Lou, go. go. Go, I'm definitely okay. done. All right. So, again, nine, uh, ten years old when I first got this album on cassette. And listening to it on my Walkman, I didn't think about it as much as I do now from, you know, an audible standpoint. But listening to it, yes, it does sound like it was recorded in a barn. To answer your question, Manny, acoustics do have a lot uh, of impacts on a recording. I mean, if you listen to the Kiss records uh, produced by Eddie Kramer in the 70s, in my opinion, I prefer the production on Rock and Roll Over and Love Gun to Destroyer produced by Bob Ezrin because Eddie Kramer got a great sound out of it. You know, like one of the ways he did Peter Chris's drums was that he had him he had him recording in a completely different section of the um, theater. They actually recorded in a theater in New Jersey. Um, for that album and I think they, they actually had him in like the restroom where like they mic'd up all the drums and he would contact them via uh, video cam so yeah 
the the setting of a of, of a studio uh, the setup of it definitely affects the production um looking back i could objectively say yeah not i definitely prefer the production on the first record to this that being said um i like about 90 percent of this album the only song i really don't care for is uh mother russia you know timeline is everything so when i first heard this i was already like a maiden fanboy you know being 10 years old so i loved uh every song from tail gunner up until bring your daughter to the slaughter i mean to me at the time i thought iron maiden had broken up because it had been two years and you know seventh son was out so i kind of thought that they went the way uh hulk hogan did after 1988 wrestlemania where you're supposed to sail away into the sunset and not come back no that didn't happen they came back and uh i i this album although not one of my favorites definitely holds a special place for me because it showed that maiden was still around you know so i felt like yeah i still got my band um that being said not having adrian smith hurts them um them trying to bruce trying to sound more like brian johnson of acdc than bruce dickinson i'm sorry he does um you know i i have to admit i was like what's going on here and again i i think looking back it you know it fits those songs but you know if if there was one record that i would like to hear them redo and do better it would be this one because i think the songs are are good you know like i said uh tracks one through nine i like and the fact that adrian is at least represented with hooks in you and i think what you want about the lyrics i mean it's fine but you know i i love the music in it and i don't hate gears uh yana garrett sorry yana garrett i don't i don't hate him i will say that he has contributed some great stuff to maiden especially later on as 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 we talk about it um but i could see the hate for him you know like him you know prancing around the stage and whatever you know i mean like his biggest influence is jimmy blackmore uh, jimmy blackmore richie blackmore so you know if anybody remembers uh you know uh richie like back in the day he would do like all these crazy things with his hands going up and down the you know the fretboard and just doing some crazy shit so i could see why yannick was really more, more so influenced by him than any other uh you know guitarist um but that being said i think he has his place in maiden um a fairly decent debut for him. Uh, but again, I just feel like the, the production, um, having Bruce singing that raspy vocals because it almost kind of sounds like he's phoning it in. Um, you know, I, 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 feel like, I feel like that uh, kind of hurts it and it hurts its chance, his chances for being heralded as one of the better made in albums. And um yeah, I guess that's really all I could say about it. Um, I'm drawing a blank. I'm, I'm, sh- I'm shocked a, you like it that much. I'm very shocked. Yeah, it's definitely a different take than my take on the album. Yeah, that's I for sure. So. I mean, yeah, yes, it is. Yeah, I'm a huge Art Main fan, and um, I remember buying it, being very disappointed in it, in it at the time. I don't hate the album, but I don't love it, and it, I definitely never throw it on. Um, and I'm one of those guys who like oddball albums by big bands. I like uh, 
Deep Purple Slaves and Masters, and I like Kiss Unmasked and Flick of the Switch. And anyway, you get my point. Mm -hmm. This just this one. I just, I just don't think the songs are there and the production's not there. Anyway, you I, I, mean, I, I, I remember what I was going to say. I, I could see why they went away from the progressive stuff because maybe Steve Harrison, and again, let's face it, Steve runs the show. Right. You know, maybe he just felt like he's like, you know what? I, you know, he didn't want to go too proggy, even though, oddly enough, I feel like the title track was almost indicative of the type of long-winded songs maiden would record from here on out mother russia too you know absolutely you know right so so i i think that um his intention was was good it was valid um but as far as becoming street level i mean come on you're an iron fucking maiden you know if if anyone really believes that at that point in your career that you're struggling i mean you don't have to go full proggy you know you don't have to be all you know steve howe of yes and everything but i mean you know street level you you, you did that with the first album it, it was so. definitely not a band right but transition. that was authentic <laughs> this right. is iron maiden on autopilot trying to sound like they uh you know used to and it just it, it doesn't work because there's almost no heart in the majority of it I, I they're definitely going through a transition i mean i i think their artist eric riggs and them were going through some crap uh i'd mm-hmm. say he did yeah he didn't even do the art for the album. for this one he did for this he one did. Did. okay Which, this was this his last one he did right, right. Yeah. yeah and i definitely yeah. think that for this one um Especially considering Bruce just did Tattooed Millionaire. Yeah. You can see the seeds were being planted for his exit at this point. Yep. And it well, was actually one of my least favorite artworks that he did, too. I, I honestly, when I first bought this album, I couldn't tell what the hell he was coming out of. I didn't know that was a coffin. See, I knew that, but I, you know, I got this one when I was about 11 or so, too, when I was already a big Maiden fan. And yeah, this was just so disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. Plus, plus they changed it because uh, the guy, I guess the guy kind of looked like Rod Smallwood a little bit when Eddie was grabbing him by the throat, that little the graveyard guy. No, it's it's supposed to be Rod. Oh, it is supposed to be him? But... Rod didn't like it, which yeah, is why funny. he took it out on the remaster. Oh, I don't but like the... this at all. No, I don't like it. No. <laughs> when I was younger, though, I used to be much more tolerant of this and liked it better. I was actually surprised by <laughs> Wait till the next <laughs> album with Bayswater ain't a bad place to be. But uh, Manny, one more point I wanted to bring up to you. I thought that the best cover B-side that they did was probably It's All In Your Mind. Oh, um, yeah, I would say that was yeah. the best one of all yeah, of them. That was, that's really? pretty, yeah, that's I pretty mean, damn good. I, I thought that one was pretty good too, but I really like that Golden Earring cover. Oh, I did too. Kirsten, yeah. So good job. Yeah. Oh, excellent. I'm a Golden Earring fan anyway, so. Don't but, yeah. But, um, you know, I think it was a transitional period for the band. I don't know about their personal lives, but at least as a band, I mean, Bruce Dickinson just had a pretty good, successful solo album that was successful. And keep in mind, not Mick Jagger had put out a solo album. I'm not comparing them, but his album did not do as well as Bruce Dickinson, just for comparison, you know. So, um, 
And yeah, I, I just think they were going through a change. I don't see Iron Maiden being influenced by outside band. Like Judas Priest definitely taken outside influences. They freely admit that. And they've done that throughout their whole career. Um, Iron Maiden really aren't like that. Um, but overall, I was disappointed in the album. Anyway, anyone else? I think we're right there, right? Yep. I'm I think so. I think we're ready to move on. on. Ready to move on. Uh, Round three. Ding and ding. I, actually, it won't be my my least favorite maiden album. That's to come yet. I, I you know. Really? Yeah, it's not right. my least favorite. You know, we got nine likes on this video already, and we're still recording it. I know, right? We're still on. There's no, living right, people watching crazy. right now. I, really, honestly, even though I will say, unlike Priest, whose worst album to me is yet to come, which I find it completely unlistenable, even though I think No Prayer is Maiden's worst album. And it definitely is from a songwriting standpoint. You can still listen to it all the way through. Absolutely. Even Where... as stupid as Holy Smoke is, you know, it's... If it wasn't Iron Maiden, it wouldn't be half bad. But it is. <laughs> it's not yeah, maybe, that, maybe, maybe that's it. And you're right, because I'm a bigger Judas Priest fan than Iron Maiden. But when we get to that second Ripper Owens album, oh, Lord. Anyway, go ahead. I'll be a quick one. It's yeah. it's not half bad. It's all bad. Yeah. Uh, Iron Maiden, Fear of the Dark, the ninth studio album released May 1992. It was their third studio release to the top the UK album chart and the last to feature Bruce Dickinson as a group's lead vocalist until his return in 1999. It was also the first album to be produced by Steve Harris and the last album to feature the work of producer Martin Birch, who retired after its release and died in 2020. It was the group's first not to be designed by Eric, uh, by Derek Riggs, uh, who contributes, who contribute, whose contributions, con- oh my God, whose contributions, there we go, were rejected in favor of Melvin Grant. Uh, according to Iron Maiden's manager, Rod Smallwood, the band began accepting contributions from other artists. Uh, we wanted to upgrade Eddie for the 90s. We wanted to take him to a more sort of comic book horror creature and turn him into something a bit more straightforward. So Melvin! Sorry, I, I, uh, <laughs> I call bullshit on that, but continue. Yeah, was, yeah. So uh, he became even more threatening. Uh, so anyway, the album starts off with one of my top favorite Maiden songs, "Be Quick or Be Dead." Uh, it was a song when I saw the video, kind of like with the Painkiller. I was like, "Holy shit, that's Iron Maiden now!" I remember someone in my class had the tape and let me borrow it. Uh, I don't think Bruce ever did a scream like that, like he does in the opening of that song uh, ever again. Um, just a catchy song from start to finish. Some of the, uh, great guitar work and solos as well. Um, thrashy, which sorry Wayne I know you're gone but Manny I was going to say the only exception otherwise I agree with you about them not having outside influences is on this record specifically be quicker be dead yeah and, and the thing too is uh, this album was actually recorded in the same barn but since they realized they they, right they, they made the studio made it a little bit nicer and everything so you know, because they, they learned from their mistake with the last album. So it, this does sound a lot better. I love the sound of this album. Um, it's one of, actually one of my, kind of one of my favorite Maiden albums, because it's also like the first Maiden album I actually bought. So kind of holds some meaning to me. Uh, where do I leave off? Uh, oh, uh, like, you're you're on track two still. Yep. Hey, you're still uh, on track two. I'm still on track two. I like From Here to Eternity as well. Not one of the best songs ever, but I think it works for the album. Yes, I think it's a good song. <laughs> another cigarette keep going. Uh, and if you hate that you're gonna hate this another one of my favorites from this album is afraid to shoot strangers 
It wasn't even this version that really got me to like the song. It was the version That's from a real live dead one. Same uh, here. But what? Going. The yeah. live version. The, I love the live version. Well, wow. yeah, there's a no. Mine wasn't from that one, but uh, I think it was on a. Anyway, keep going, Wayne. There, no. There's another live version. I think with Blaze on it that I first heard it. Oh, anyway, I never go heard ahead. That. Uh, but I know it's very repetitive, but it's very dark sounding. It's really different from something they would do up to this point. Uh, it's a unique song, and those guitar melodies when the song builds up are really catchy. Fear is the key, not a terrible song. Definitely a filler song, but I actually do like it. Again, it's very dark for Maiden, and again, it shows another side of them away from the usual galloping. Childhood's End. I love this song. I don't think they've ever played this live. I could be wrong, but uh, to me, it's a stand- I'm not all right. Uh, it's a standout track on the album. Again, it's Maiden doing something different. I really like how they kind of just stop the beats and the chorus and the drums are, are doing drum rolls along with the bass. It comes out of nowhere, but I like it. <sighs> Wasting Love, another song a lot of people hate, but again, I really like it. Sorry. <laughs> it's a it's, it's, okay. a it's not the worst but i i will say one thing i actually find really interesting about this album and you'll notice it on the other two songs he has a big hand in writing too like weekend warrior and i forget i forget what the other one is i remember when you say the title but uh, a lot of, there's a lot of gers influence on this that actually really works but, but it's interesting yeah, it's yeah the apparition, but it's interesting because on these three tracks, wasting love, the apparition, and uh, we can warrior. And warrior, you you hear some riffs and some rhythms and shit and some leads coming out of them where it's almost like the fuck is Maiden covering the Pat Travers band and it's working. <laughs> uh, but the, I, I thought wasted love actually could have worked on Bruce's solo album. Kind of has that same uh, feeling. To it it. could have, but yeah. I mean. It, it's partially out of character form, but I don't think it's horrible like everyone else says. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, the fugitive. <laughs> the fugitive depends on my mood with this one. Uh, it's a decent song, definitely not one of my favorites, but it's not terrible. The chorus could be better. Chains of Misery, I like uh, again because it's different from the usual maiden sound. The apparition, worst song on the album. Too many starts and stops. Doesn't flow very well. <clears throat> Judas, my God, third favorite song on the album. Another song that never gets mentioned uh i think it's catchy and upbeat weekend warrior filler garbage song uh fear of the dark my number one song from the album and possibly my favorite maiden song hearing them do this live just blew me away and that's stuck with me ever since so many catchy guitar parts vocals melodies etc great uh ending to the album and i think it deserves more recognition than it gets love that song uh greg go ahead well it's a it's definitely a big improvement over no prayer for the dying that this is where they should have gone with that record i think uh much more lively they they incorporate a lot more new things into their sound on this record not necessarily to say that they were modern influences but uh this this really does some great foreshadowing for where like they would go later on great new world and dance of death and a matter of life and death once Bruce came back after the Blaze years in songs like The Fugitive, which I love, and Afraid to Shoot Strangers, Judas Be My Guide's another great example, Fear the Dark Itself. The, the, that's actually all my favorite songs are there. Oh, and Childhood, then. That's a, a great one, too. The, I think the, the one thing that really hurts this album the most and makes it seem plotting and monotonous to a lot of people is because it is very melancholy in its approach with some of it but it's it's just too long 
there's too many filler tracks on here. I know it was their first double album and the, well, the apparition, I don't like at all that. that so yeah. we're, we're weekend warriors, really both of those could go, you know, and I think it would make it a much stronger album. They're not bad, but they could be B sides, but like, Fear is the key doesn't need to be on there. Ch- Chains of Misery is all right, but they just there. There's this big stretch in the middle of it before it kicks back in a high gear at the end with uh, Judas Be My Guide and Fear of the Dark, where it just kind of runs on and on. There, there, there's cool parts to all of it, and I think Yannick actually plays a lot better on this one because. He was there from the beginning of the writing process this time around. I mean, I know he was with Dickinson and he had some shit on the last album, but I think they had a, a longer, a better chance to refine it this time around. And it made them much stronger as a band overall. And the songwriting is just better here. Still not my favorite, but better than it gets credit for. Hmm. Uh, James. All right, let's go here. Actually, I didn't mind this album. I really liked the ending of it. Uh, but uh, be quick, be dead. I kind of meh for me. I didn't really like it that really? much. Oh my that just it just it, I, for oh. something about it is I just don't like the lyrics. I just didn't like how everything worked. I just it's not a not one of my favorite songs. Interesting. I thought you'd really like it because of mm. the dynamic in it. But anyway. well, so. but but I like the la- later songs for that exact reason. But um, from here to eternity, kind of the same song as as be quick, be dead, but different lyrics um uh, afraid yeah, to shoot strangers i don't hear that at all yeah afraid to shoot strangers no i'm gonna do this in edna mode from from the uh incredibles no slow songs no slow songs oh come stop, on that's not slapping around no slow songs from that's Iron about, you should They're like not that song, good at it they are fucking terrible at it no slow songs i disagree i think afraid to shoot strangers no. is one of their best attempts at a slow song like that it's their best attempt it's still shit. It's with still the bad. way it builds and all that since loneliness of the long distance runner and that's one of my favorite maiden songs so fuck you continue fuck you too <laughs> <laughs> uh, no slow songs the- baba <laughs> fear, fear is the key nice Judas Priest song oh wait <laughs> wait yeah, I knew I you'd it. bring that up. That's why I didn't. I wanted to see. <laughs> yep. Nice Judas Priest song. Oh, wait. It's not. Anyway, uh, Childhoods and the lack of like guitar harmony is concerning in it because like I could hear it. It's just, it's weird not hearing Adrian doing the guitar har- harmonies yeah. and everything like that. I think that would have, like, this is where I like, I feel like the missing Adrian is there. Um, Wasted Love. Once again, <laughs> no snow songs. No, no, the fugitive. It's like so, like the kind of like their old their old sound and everything. It's not that bad. Uh, Chains of misery. It's weird hearing blues from Iron Maiden. It was really weird to see that, or to hear that actually, not see it. Um, but I liked it. Uh, the apparition. It's weird hearing them slow it down once again. It's another. It's just something that I'm not used to, but I liked it. Do just be my guide like that song good song weekend warrior it's weird them playing this slower style again but i like it uh fear the dark good end surprise and 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 actually this is gonna be my surprise pick i think it's their best album out of the three that we've been listening to so actually i really like this album even though it has the slow songs and what do we say in the slow songs 
from Iron no Man. No slow songs ever. <laughs> I like Iron Man. Well, wait till we get to the later albums. Really I am going to be yelling this a lot. <laughs> so, yes, thank you for warning me. Yeah. Uh, Reggie says, Fear the Dark is his top three Maiden album. Uh, and he agrees with most of what I said. Uh, though he does uh, love Fear of the Fear is the Key, probably his second favorite behind other, uh, the other Fear. Uh, Manny. All right. I actually like this album quite a bit. Um, I, I like uh, Bruce Dickinson. He sings a little different on it. I like it quite a bit. Be Quick or Be Dead, great opening uh, track. Um, I like that a lot. Uh, uh, Janet, uh, is it Gears or Greers? Janet Gers. I think it's Gers. Is it Gers? Janet Gers. I think his songwriting uh, on here has actually, because he's had more input into the songs, I think that makes a difference than the last album where he had no input whatsoever. Uh, from here to eternity not my favorite song lyrically it's a little goofy i've never wanted to hear iron maiden do a um kind of a pop metal it's not even pop metal just lyrically it's a little goofy but i like it i i can dig it it's awful yeah afraid to shoot strangers what won me over is it was an iron maiden compilation that they released i think best of the beast the original had a uh two disc in it kind of common a clamshell and then one of the bonus tracks was a Blaze Bailey live version of that song. And that's what won me over. Prior to that, I kind of listened to it and I liked it, but I didn't really pay attention to it. So basically it was a Blaze version that won me over. That's interesting. That's originally the B-side to the Angel and, Angel and the Gambler single, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I don't, uh, I think it, because it was a, if it wasn't packed away in all this crap, I'd grab it, but it's, uh, I still have it. Um, Fear is the Key is a really good song. I like that. Childhood Zen, eh, it's not bad. It's not bad. It fits the album. It's going to, I have to agree with Wayne. I actually like Wasting Love. I'm actually surprised I like that because um, it's so not Iron Maiden like uh, lyrically, even musically, but I actually like it. And I see that. Uh, uh, Jan Janik has a songwriting credit on that one. The Fugitive, it should have been left on the cutting room floor. It's okay. It's not, you know, it's all right. Chains of Misery, I actually like that. Um, I actually like the apparition, uh, uh, like which I can't say right now. <laughs> Thank you. I actually like that because of the vocals. I like Bruce Dickinson's voice on there. I like how it stops and starts. And I like the fact that it's almost like an ACDC vibe, how simple it is, you know, with it, you know. But about, but, you know, that that little riff. Judas Be My Guide, that's okay. It's not bad. It fits with the album, so I don't mind it. Weekend Warrior, they can stick that song up their ass because that sucks. <laughs> I don't want to hear Iron Maiden singing about Weekend Warriors. No. Um, Ted it's Nugent about already did yeah. yeah. Fear the Dark, freaking phenomenal song, especially live. It's excellent. Again, um, overall, I like this album quite a bit. I didn't, you know, I like it a lot. I remember when I first bought it, I was I was expecting to hate it, but it was quite the opposite. I don't throw it on very often, but when I do, I enjoy the hell out of it. All right. And Lou, you're up. So I like about uh, 75% of this album. Um, why am I feeding back? Okay, never mind. That's because of Manny. Yeah. Okay. 
So my three least favorite songs, I have to say Fear is the Key, um, The Apparition and Weekend Warrior. Um, I know Eric Adams told me that a lot of the boys love Weekend Warrior because it's basically, even though it's about soccer hooligans, it tells the life of pro wrestlers too, because, you know, of course he they're did. driving of course from the venue. Of course he did, but, of course he you know, did. so I'm just giving a shout out to Eric Adams. You know, I acknowledge the fact that you like that song. I'm not a fan, but that's all good um the apparition i don't know it's like all i just picture is fred durst at the end going so come and get it like at the end of every uh you know at, yeah. at every break before the song come starts on. like i just was not a fan <laughs> of it um fear is the key i also acknowledge the fact that the lyrical content is very it holds a lot of weight with bruce because you know there's the line in it you know nobody cares till somebody famous dies and i think he wrote that in reference to <laughs> um freddie mercury who he was dear friends with um who uh lost his life to aids in uh 1991 in november so you know i i i'm i'm acknowledging that i'm i'm still not a fan of the song but i acknowledge why the song you know has meaning for bruce um that being said um the rest of the album is great my favorite song is um judas be my guide just because I don't know. I, for me, I think the the melody in it, the the riff itself, I don't know, just the way it starts. I, I love it. Um, I own the Castle 95 reissue of it. Um, I'd have to say also Steve's bass is so clingy on this mm-hmm. that I can't believe I'm going to say this. His bass playing almost becomes a parody of itself. Yep. Like, it's just so clingy. I'm like, dude, I know you're there. You don't need to be that prominent in the mix. <laughs> um, also, uh, Bruce Dickinson is still continuing his Brian Johnson impersonation, which is not as bad on this one as it was on No Prayer, but it's still there. And there's one thing about the album that actually does bother me. The drum sound. The drums sound so different from what you've heard on maiden releases in the past you know like you have that attack on the snare from nico and now it just sounds like a it's almost faintish it sounds kind of like cardboard boxy in a way yeah so you know i i thought that made it weak it, it, he's he, it's very um not it, 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 he's like trying to sit in there like in the corner just going well, I hope you enjoy the beat I'm creating. I am trying to keep the beat for this band. Pretty you know, much. Although, Adrian's not Adrian's not here to 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 you know, control the beat with via guitar riffs. You know, uh, I didn't even think about that loot till you mentioned it. You're right, because um the way Birch would produce, he'd he'd make that drum sound really kick. You're right. You're right. I didn't even think about that. Good point, Lou. Anyway, go ahead. I mean, it's it's odd because Birch's name is credited on this, so you you figure what the hell happens, and maybe he was just like, "Oh, I'll just do this one album and then I'll retire." Um, but somebody mentioned you mentioned it just now, James, about the whole you know playing to a corner, and you know it, it's funny because if you listen to the live recordings of the tour for this album, a uh, real live one and real dead one, um, I'm gonna flat out say it: I detest it. I thought Nico was horrible at keeping time. I thought the guitar sounded just muddy. And 
you know, once again, Steve's base is just clingy, clinging, clinging away. And Bruce was phoning it in. So you come up with a great album, but it's like, where's the heart in your live performances? I mean, I, I, I know that in 92, Maiden was still popular. You know, I mean, although I remember I heard Ralph Vieira one time say that he went to the Fear of the Dark tour when it came to Florida. I think it was like a half empty venue. But, you know, because in 92, I mean, who were the biggest bands in the world? Metallica and Guns N' Roses. You know, by that point, um, Maiden, I guess you could say they went from being a top tier band in the United States to a second or maybe almost third tier band because who else was coming up that same year? Pearl Jam and Nirvana. But in Europe and South America, Maiden was still all the rage. And, you know, but even then with Packed Houses, the way they performed live, it still was subpar, in my opinion. So Yeah, those and it had already been decided that Bruce was leaving at the end of the tour so yeah. i just met everyone in a sour mood right none of them sound like they want to be yeah, there but, except for steve but jesus christ how could you not hear steve? yeah, yeah but, but I, I mean it's 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 a very bittersweet record you know mm-hmm. i mean there, there's some like i said 75 percent of the album i love but there's still that freaking you know specter that that, that, that that's being held over it really showing that Maiden is not in good times at this point. But I think the content of the that 75% of the record is amazing, music-wise. So, you know, again, not one of my top 10 favorite Maiden records, but I do have a special place in my heart for it. So I'll leave it at that. I love live albums, but a real live one and a real dead one are uh, definitely subpar. What's even worse is the uh, Raising Hell DVD. I don't even think they even bothered reissue it with the shit magician. I don't remember who the fuck that guy was, but oh, that, uh, Simon Drake. Uh, yeah, whatever. He sucked, but anyway, it was it was. Uh, you're right, and you know, there's other performers like Ian Gillen when he was leaving Deep Purple. He knew he was leaving, but you would not know that listening to those performances, you know. Or, uh, I don't know, you know, I get it. He didn't want to do the tour. Then don't do the tour, you know, just tell Rod, whatever his name is, you know, Smallwood. Hey, I fulfilled my contract. I don't want to do the tour. You know, I I don't know. I I just think it's bullshit. The more you know. Yeah. (laughs) But I I like, uh, I, I like the album, but I don't like the live albums that produced it, which is sad because Iron Maiden, in my opinion, are one of the best live acts out there to this very day. But you would not know that listening to those live albums. I, I mean, oh, it's no, funny. I, like I would that. I would like to ask Steve Harris. I'm like, you know, do you care more about quality control or do you care more about getting the final word? Because if getting the final word is more important to you than good quality control, well, I guess it's worked for you, but it shows that you didn't put in the effort behind it like you did back in the day. So, well, 
You know what they say, Lua, shot in the dark is better than a walk in the park. I'm sorry. I was trying to find where I could put that in there. Thank you, man. It's there. I found the way found to it. put it in there. <laughs> I don't think Jesse Fink has ever forgiven them for that either. Anyways. Uh, By the way, thank you to, to everyone who watched it. 200 views on that episode alone. Thank you. Yeah. It was a very good episode. Uh, I mentioned that in the uh, beginning of the show and you weren't here. Uh, Sorry, I was adulting. Yeah. Uh, Reggie says the drum sound is a little thin. Same with the Rush albums. Presto rolled the bones uh, around the same period. I never thought about that before. So, yeah. Yeah, but I could listen to Neil any time of the day over Nico. So that's the difference for me. (laughs) You know, Ralph said that they were playing uh, half empty arenas. I don't remember that. I mean, I'll I'll take his word on it. Ralph also uh, referred to Fear of the Dark as a shit sandwich. The bread is great, but everything else in between is shit. <laughs> well, I don't agree with that totally. But I, oh, pure uh, that's pure Ralph right there. But there were a lot of uh, Judas Priest, Alice Cooper, I think Motorhead did that tour together that lost a lot of money. The first time any of those guys ever lost money on a tour, you know. Um, so they weren't the only ones. I mean, there were there were a lot of, uh, and these are Platinum Max. These aren't, you know, you know, whatever they, they weren't wasp so they they weren't the only ones that were um you know suffering if that was the case i thought i made it pretty well but i don't know i didn't i never keep up these box office receipts or whatever because it's not you know i'm not making any money well it just goes to show you come 1995 when 1996 when uh best of the beast comes out and they do yeah. the video for virus they shot it in steve's pool so I'm going to leave it at that. I wow. love that song, by the way. It's, it's a really great song, cool. but the video is just horrible. I don't think I've ever saw the video. But, I didn't uh, ever think I it's, it's on Maiden's YouTube page. Uh, yeah, I, watch yes, it for right. a chuckle. I don't. They didn't include it on that Iron Maiden uh, when they collected all their videos on that DVD. I have it. I can't remember the Visions or whatever. Visions yeah, whatever the hell it's called. Anyway. I don't recall, but it is on their YouTube channel, so you can see it. Uh, Greg, you had something? Oh, I was say, the thing that blows the my my mind the most, all four is like from here to eternity. What the fuck is wrong? With you? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you, Greg? Yeah, <laughs> that is man. the most maiden um, song ever. It's just doesn't matter. It's still a good song. It's choppy. <laughs> oh, here's my here's my question. Here's Hell's my question. Weekend warrior. Uh, Hell's not a bad place. It's a uh, it's here from hell to eternity. Thank you for Lancaster. Do you guys acknowledge Hooks <laughs> in You and um, From Here to Eternity as parts three and four of the Charlotte the Harlot saga or no? Are they supposed to be? Part yeah. three, yes. Part four, no. Never thought of it. Never well, wanted that, to give that, it a thought. That lyric about licking the kickstand clean. I mean, wow, that was... Uh... That was bad. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I've heard worse, Angel and the Gambler. But anyways, I digress. Continue. Well, uh, we haven't gotten I to that one yet. Mentor. That is my answer for that question. Uh, all right. What are we giving these albums? Judas Priest. Let's start with them. Greg. Eight. Eight. Uh, James. Eight. What? Eight. Eight. Uh, Manny. Nine. Nine. Lou. Ten. Ten. It's sure. in my top four. You sure Lou, Lou, uh, Lou, Lou is the nice judge in this gymnastics routine. I am the Russian judge. <laughs> okay, fine. And I'll give it a nine. I'll no, take one point it, away. Give it a ten. 
You give it a ten. Give it a ten. Be the good. Give job. it a well, ten. The, the, the only reason I said I was surprised is just because to me, tens are just for perfect albums. You right. said you've done a few issues with it. That's all. But no, you can call it a ten. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay to be wrong. Uh, I said eight. Uh, no prayer to die. No prayer for the dying. Uh, Greg. Four. Wow. Uh, James. Three. Shoof. Uh, man. Actually, you know what? I'm changing what? it. Three. James is right. <laughs> Three. 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 Lou? Nine. Nice <laughs> judge. Uh, I gave it a six. Uh, Fear of the Dark, Greg? Uh, I'd give it a seven. Seven, James? 8.5. Uh, Manny? Seven. Seven. And Lou? Seven. Right. I have to put it better than painkiller. I said I liked it more than painkiller. So you did. Us, you did. It has to be and, a little bit higher. True, and it is true. And a painkiller won. So as it should. It it you, honestly, it should. As much as I like Fear of the Dark, and you know, Bruce mastered how to do the different vocals by that album. Although I think part of the problem on No Prayer is Steve was really pushing for that raw sound of the first album, and it just didn't quite match even with the songs they were writing but um painkiller is, is much stronger performance and songwriting wise than both of these making albums put together and it's it, when a band tries to capture uh, the the roots it doesn't always work um especially Irene. i mean who's left from that first album steve harris and uh dave, dave murray, murray. Yeah, that's well, it yeah. And, and you know, I think one of the big things with the two is, you know, like Lou was saying, I, I bet Steve felt like he was losing control a little bit with how much, because, you know, it's it's funny. He built them to where they were by power sleep. Then he starts letting people get more input on stuff. And then he seems to have a problem with how progressive he was getting. And I just think he had this knee jerk reaction, whereas on No Prayer, they could have done something more similar to fear of the dark and possibly save the band at that point in time yeah but i will say i will give uh steve harris credit he lets uh janic contribute where we can get to judas priest next time and jugulator they don't let ripper uh tim owens write one single lyric which they should have if you listen to those lyrics but anyway we'll we'll get to that Actually, well, and, he didn't um, do demolition. Uh, go ahead. No, he didn't uh, write. Uh, he didn't write shit on demolition either. Yeah, he wrote one or two songs. Yeah. No, he, I think he, he might have written the, like on a napkin to for a lunch <laughs> order, but he didn't write any lyrics. Um, just so want to go over the B sides real quick to Fear of the Dark. Um, yeah. Nodding Donkey Blues. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sp- Space Station Number Five, which is a cover of a Mantra song. Yeah, but that cover was horrible. The only thing, the only thing funny about it was at the end, it leads into uh, Bayswater ain't a bad place to be, which is them ripping on Mar- Rod Smallwood again. Um, Roll over Vic Vela, which is Roll over mm-hmm. Beethoven, but they're talking about their tour bus driver. Yeah, um, which is okay. I, I can't see my feelings, and the other three are live tracks: "No Prayer for the Dying," "Public Enema Number One," and "Hooks in You," which the actually sound pretty good live. Yeah, on that one. Um, see, they should and, have released a live album from those shows instead of the shit ones we got on the real live dead. Possibly. Actually, what's even sadder, this a compilation of different shows, isn't it? Those two live albums. Yeah, they are all all across Europe, but also yeah. I I think the biggest factor to Steve 
maybe losing control. I, that was a good point that you made. Um, this was the beginning of his divorce proceedings. By the time X Factor came out, he was already divorced, and that reflects greatly oh, yeah. on that record. So, wow, yeah, the X Factor is essentially one long deers, but um, I personally find that one more creative than both. Of them. Well, that's right. next. That's next. Uh, that's, that's gonna be next. interesting when we get to it because I like those albums. But when I first got him, I didn't. Anyway, we'll get to that. We'll like definitely get week. to it, uh, hopefully next yeah. week. Um, yeah. yeah, so uh, RightSideReview.com. Lou, anything with you? I got nothing. Um, <laughs> for, <laughs> um, just dealing with... Um, Actually, we do have something, Lou. Do you want me to announce it? Well, yeah, we've been posting the videos for the last three days. Hey, man, I've seen it on TikTok. Do it! Okay, do it. so Wayne and Ooh. I are ready to unleash our new original musical project called Severed Angel, which involves Wayne on drums, me on guitar, Alex Rapetti from the Infinite Spectrum and uh, Tension Rising and plant-based metal on vocals, guitars, and he's also our um, engineer, um, George Dimitri of Timeless Haunt on bass guitar and Mark Muchnick of the Nightmare Stage on keyboards. Um, I've never been this excited to have my name on a record since I released my wife's music back in 90, uh, 2007. So this is going to be a killer freaking record. Our YouTube page is up. Our TikTok is up. Our Instagram is up. Facebook is up. Website hopefully coming very soon. Um, this is all coming into the release of our first video, which is a cover song of a band that I won't mention. Um, Greg's favorite band. It's that's as much as we'll say, uh, but it's a great cover. But if you love the cover, wait till you hear the originals, your head's going to explode. So, yeah, the cover and, uh, is, uh, shows like nothing of what the originals do. What I said, like a boss. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, so it's uh, Facebook and Instagram is Severed Angel Band. We're on Twitter at Severed underscore Angel underscore. And, uh, you know, just find us at Severed Angel on YouTube and Wayne just started the TikTok page. So, right. Find us. Find us everywhere. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and buy our merch on T Public. Oh, yeah. What is this thing? Too long to mention, but just uh, type in the search engine Severed Angel official merch. All right. Go do that. Some cool shirts on there. Actually, I just got a notification before we did the show. My shirts are on the way. Mine too. And my hoodie. So, yeah. So go buy your merch. It's time um, for fall. Get your hoodies. Right. And go to uh, go to ratsoundreview.com and go buy a Rat Sound Review t-shirt because there are Rat Sound Review t-shirts as well at a different yeah. store. And buy Music it. is Life podcast shirts. That's right. Buy Music is Life podcast shirts. Hit subscribe, like, share everything that we do. If you don't, we will find you and make you hit those buttons. You've been warned. You have been College football is back tomorrow. Go balls. Woo! No huddle podcast. Demony. Oh, yeah. I forgot about your podcast because you've been uh, away. What's going on with yours? So, uh, well, football season started. Um, unfortunately, my co-host right now is, is dealing with schoolwork, but we're going to be getting on shows. We're actually doing a Saturday morning show. Um, when I get more information on that, we're going to be doing that. I'm going to be the lead corso to everybody else's boring ESPN pregame show. So, Are you going to have Michael uh, A. Smith, uh, Stephen A. Smith on your show? I am soon? better than Stephen A. Smith, sir. It's my turn. Anyway, sorry. You gotta pass the ball to LeBron. 
<laughs> no, I'm not going to pass the ball to Rebron. Rebron's going to keep passing it away. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. All right. Everybody, see you next week. More Maiden, more Priest from RightSideReview.com. Goodbye. God help us all. And they got to wait for a second. Don't need to stop off the sidewalk, kids. Don't lick the white poop. <laughs> I got a belly full of white dog crap in me. <laughs> 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 Stop the recording, God No. Looking for some new podcasts to listen to? Well, look no further than the Ratsaw Review Network. Ratsaw Review is taking over the podcast world with plenty of shows to choose from within their network of entertaining programming, including the flagship show, Ratsaw Review, with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and Lou Mavs, as well as occasional co-hosts Manny Mejias and James Lilquist. We also have the official Ratsaw Review spin-offs, such as Album vs. Album, Screams from the Grave, where we discuss beloved yet forgotten hard rock and metal albums of the past, and a King Diamond podcast called This Broadcast Belongs to Them. We've also got Old Man Metal's Musings, the Metal Thrashing Nerd Podcast with Metal Thrashing Mike, the Team Otoki Podcast featuring Stradivarius and Avalon founding member Team Otoki, the BS Sessions with Mark and Jerry, Just the Cheese Please, a podcast dedicated to cheesy films of the 1980s with Tara J and Adam, and the Music is Live Podcast with Lou Mavs. The Rapsaw Review Network is your go-to one-stop shop for the best podcasts out there today. Go to RatsawReview.com for more info. And to find out where you can find, follow, subscribe, and comment on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and all streaming platforms. The Ratsaw Review Network. We're taking over.